Welcome to the Audible Ecstasy Podcast. Each week we sit around and discuss the music from our past. Sometimes we agree. I call it iconic. It's a 10. That riff is un- it's incredible. Clearly a 10. This is one of the most iconic songs of the 80s. Um, iconic from start to finish. And sometimes we disagree. The song sounds like something you might hear at your aunt's funeral. The absolute worst lyrics ever. With the juvenile flush on that one? <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. I'm not dealing with that crap. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. All right, we are back with another Audible Ecstasy podcast, and I know it's been a minute, guys, but we're back with one of my favorite bands ever, if not my favorite band, Metallica, Anthony's Pick, Kill 'Em All. Boys, are y'all ready to do this? Let's let the fanboying ensue. Anthony, let's hear your, your uh, tagline oh, yeah. this week. Oh, yeah. Got to come up with some on the spot. How about this? <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the three horsemen to hit the lights. Yeah, that's hey, pretty good, actually. I like that. that. Yeah. That's one of your best, yeah. honestly. Yeah, that's good. That's a solid one, man. That's yeah. off the fly. Absolutely. You didn't think yeah, about that before. Off the fly. <laughs> that's perfect, dude. Man. For real, that is fan freaking tastic. All right, all right. So I'm going to go through the history of this thing, boys. This is arguably one of my favorite uh, debut albums from a thrash band, if not from any band ever. So let's just yeah. get this. Not even going to try to start fanboy this one, man. Track number one, hit the lights, Chris. Chris. Oh my lord! Listening to Mustaine shred and just like damn, he's oh that's not Mustaine. This is oh, Kirk. That, is okay, this well, is Kirk. I don't even know. This is the recording is Kirk. Okay, oh, okay. so the first demo, "No Life to Leather," is going to be Mustaine. Well, but uh, <laughs> the the metal up your ass demo is Kirk, and then of course the album is Kirk. So, all right, hit the lights. So you know you're in for something special from the drum intro and the intro riffs. I'm telling you right now, you if you were alive at this time and you heard this record compared to what the the new wave of British heavy metal sounded like compared to this, you probably were getting a smack in the ears like you had never heard before because this was faster than anything prior to it and heavier prior to anything to that. So that being said, you're getting ready to get onslaughted just a thrashing menace. The song is an absolutely fantastic opening for this record. Um, I, I can't think of a better song to open the record with. It's not my favorite tune. I did try to check my fanboyism and compare the songs in groups uh, as far as what I feel like would be worthy of tens and worthy of you know anything lower. I think this song is excellent. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm coming in at an eight. 
although I do love the song. Chris, what do you think about Hit the Lights? Well, first off, uh, we should clarify. So Kurt was the, the guitarist on this album? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so through and through. for some this reason, I Kurt thought Dave Mustaine was, was the guy on this album because I knew he was he the original guitarist. He wrote a ton of songs. So he, he wrote a ton of songs. songs on this. What song is it? Yeah. Mechanics. Which one is the one that sounds like Mechanics? That's the Four Horsemen. Four Horsemen, okay. So listen to Mechanics from Megadeth's first album, is that right? And it mm-hmm, sounds almost identical to Actually, Four Horsemen. So. Metallica, has, Metallica has a song called Mechanics on their demos oh, okay. wow. until this, so until good, this release. Kirk so. so Hammett's I was about on to guitars. Give. Ron Govney, what is, he's off Ron bass. Ron he's not on bass on this <laughs> right. album. He was on the first demo. So right. Burton's not on this? That. Is that what you're telling me? Burton's on this record. Okay, right. okay. Cliff is on this record. Yeah. So it's the regular what we think of when we think of Metallica. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. This is the regular Metallica we Fair all enough. know and love. I know right there was now. some jockeying around there before they But the writing their... credits are gonna be all over the wall with okay. with Ulrich on this album and the next album because he wrote or not Ulrich with uh, Mustaine because he wrote a ton of great riffs gotcha. and Metallica had created these songs and they just kept the songs and and they gave Mustaine credit. So, Eventually. like it or not, he's he's getting credit <laughs> on all these songs that he wrote, right. okay. and he's on a bunch of these. But guys, he's not so. the actual guy playing it. Okay, I got you. No, I'm getting not at all. Not at all. Okay. Well, for this song, uh, yeah, man, that that opening riff, it's a great way to start the album, and you know, just hit the lights. That, that sounds like a concert opener. I don't, I don't know if on this tour they actually opened with this ever or not, but would have been a good missed opportunity <laughs> if if they didn't. Got to give, right, right. give Lars credit. I like to rag on the guy, but, man, he, he's on point on this song. He absolutely oh, yeah. is, is just crushing it. The whole album, honestly. He was young. Man. Agreed. He, he could keep up. Uh, I like I like uh, Hetfield's vocals. It's very raw in, on this album, but it's just it fits with the times. Passionate. You can see these young guys out of California coming in to just, like, take over the scene, you know, when you listen to this. I, I, I'm with you. I gave it an eight. I think it's an excellent way to start the album. Fantastic. Anthony, talk to us. Uh, Songfacts.com. The title and theme were likely nicked from a 1980 track by the British metal band Diamond Head called Shoot Out the Lights. And I know Diamond Head was a big uh, Auric influence, so it doesn't surprise me. Um, and I, this is a, interesting to learn. On the original version, James Hetfield sang and played both guitar and bass with Auric on drums for lead guitar... They enlisted a Jamaican guitarist they knew named Lloyd Grant recording right. his part at his house. So could you see a Jamaican dude with the dreads just <laughs> token up a number and playing play hit the lights, man? I mean, come on, dude. Fantastic. You know, but anyways, it's a, it's a hell of a way to start your first album. It's tight, loud, aggressive, bombastic, in your face, all those good words, man. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Metallica showed from the jump that they were a force to be reckoned with and that they were here to stay. Band is on point, no issues, and I'm going to say this a lot tonight. This is a nine. It's outstanding. Excellent. Excellent. All right, so let's move it up to track number two, a little tune called The Four Horsemen. Chris. <laughs> Sound 
Okay, the Four Horsemen. You want to talk about a one-two punch. You go from Hit the Lights to the Four Horsemen, and we go from Thrash to Thrashier, and Metallica are slowly letting the world know they don't care, and they're getting ready to take over the underground metal scene. And they have unleashed a concert staple that is on regular rotation to this day. The guitar tone is perfect for the era, perfect for the band, at this time, and that bass line, you can hear it driving this song. And it's you think it's in the background. They're not hiding Cliff at all in this song. This song absolutely just pounds you for an onslaught for seven minutes. The breakdown in the middle is what the differentiating issue is between the, the song Mechanics that Metallica originally, originally did and now what Megadeth does. And then uh, they add that middle breakdown to separate that song and it is absolutely something you just don't expect but it's fantastic this is Metallica perfection Mustaine's part of this you love him or hate him he's part of this and he will always be part of this song it's a 10 Chris Four Horsemen you didn't leave much meat on the bone but I'll try I to I can't on that one dude <laughs> cannot do <laughs> it on that one I, I, I was like at least give me the, the breakdown in the middle but no you, you went there too Sorry, All right, man. Yeah, this that riff is just draped in nostalgia for for our oh, generation. Yeah. You hear that and you just know it immediately. Uh, the Absolutely. chorus is so singable. I mean, we could all just sing every word of it. Uh, you're right about the rhythm section; they're very prominent. Uh, Cliff and Lars both just crush it on this song. Just push the song. It's it's fantastic. The riffs are just iconic. Uh, and, I, and I love that change of direction halfway through, you know, that, that where they start doing the time is taking this toll on you. That yeah. part is just, it, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's perfection. It's easy 10. There's two easy 10s tonight. There's one of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anthony, talk to us. Four horsemen. Uh, songfacts.com. I don't know if you guys have ever caught this or not. And I went back and re-listened to it and I actually heard it. Um, the bit of Sweet Home Alabama in the yeah. middle of the song. It came about yeah. after Dave Mustaine had been listening to some Leonard Skinner. When the band really? was working on the song, Mustaine played some of Alabama because, as he says, he was being a jerk. His little joke worked, <laughs> however, and the final product ended up including the bit of the Skinner classic. So if you go to the middle section, you can hear it very... It's, it's subtle, but it's there if you're listening for it. so Yeah, it's dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And it's there. It's it's perfectly there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that. That's cool, though. But no. I mean, that's why it's always I, I never put that together. That's what it was. So that's, that is Yeah, I had heard that story years and Maybe years that's, ago. That's, that's why it sounds so familiar to me all these years. Every time I heard it, I was like, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> but I never knew what. <laughs> A little Leonard Skinner for you. But, uh, yeah, man, you know, you guys have said what, what I said, you know, I mean, I'm going to spit out the bone, I guess, right? I mean, is that a good way to say it? Yeah, a little Metallica threat. <laughs> we like it. We like it. Bring it on. Uh, no, it's one of the greatest metal songs of all time, man. A song that just helps showcase Metallica as a band that isn't all about power and aggression, even though there's plenty of that in it. Uh, there's also a lot of great transitions and nuances as well. And this band shows that they can throw down as well as transition like the new wave of British heavy metal. I mean, they just, they it's a perfect blend in this song of everything they've probably grown up with and enjoyed. And 
it's a 10, man. It's perfection. And it's funny how these songs you can just sing along to, even they're so heavy and aggressive, but you can still sing along to them. It's really strange. They're like that, but yeah, it's a perfect 30 for us. So absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's move it up to track number three, Motor Breath. Hit it, Chris. This is the, uh, I think this might have been the, one of the first songs that Hetfield ever wrote, and it is absolutely just a, a speed demon of a riff. The drum intro, once again, Lars taking over just a little bit, showing his talent for the years at the time, back in 82, 83. I love how this thing has just absolutely evolved into a concert staple. Uh, they absolutely kill it almost nightly. They, they play it quite often, not nightly, but they do play it quite often. Um, I've seen it live quite a few times and doesn't disappoint. I don't think the song lives up to the quality of the Four Horsemen. However, I still think it's outstanding. I'm at a nine. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, when I when I hear this song, I, th- I have a few thoughts. I just kind of bullet pointed these things. I didn't want this to drag on That's too fun. long. Yeah, I did it short too, man. Uh, I know we're going to be busy today. But here, here's a series of my stuff. song is absolutely full of energy. Opening riff is insane. Raw vocals in a good way. I mean, Hetfield just you can just you can tell he's just kind of right at the the dawn of his career, and he's just taking off, man. That blistering guitar solo and a real really singable chorus on top of that. So, I gave it an eight. I think it's an excellent song. Uh, Fair enough. Fair fantastic. enough, man. I'm with you. You can't go wrong there, Anthony. Motor breath. Uh, song facts. Uh, this song was written completely by James Hetfield. It's a it's about people in life who sit and waste time and how they will accomplish nothing, like our podcast. But anyways, um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> just kidding. It's the only Metallica song credit solely to Hetfield, so I thought that was interesting. And the band still had their original bass player and dr- and guitarist, of course, Ron and Dave, when they did the demo for this song. But by the time it got to this album, it was of course Kurt and Cliff. Um. And, you know, I love that drum intro and those crunchy guitars. You know, once again, Metallica is back to that punching punching you in the face sound and taking no heavy metal prisoners. It's extremely bombastic. Not just bombastic, it's extremely bombastic. And the band is tight and grooving, no issues. It's a nine. It's outstanding to me, so... You know, I meant to bring this up, Chris, but when we saw the Death Magnetic tour down in Charlotte years ago... When they they played this song, and when they were getting ready to play it, uh, Hetfield nodded to Ron McGovney, who was in attendance on the side of the sh- stage. So really? McGovney was there that night. 
That's that was pretty cool, man. Well, I remember wasn't he him up saying on stage that. or in backstage or something. Well, <laughs> he was up on stage, but he was because they're doing it in the round as they always do in the middle right. of the center. Um, but uh, McGovney was on stage with him. He was like a stagehand that night. It's, it was kind of cool, man. It, it looked at least is what it seemed like to me. But I wonder what Ron was thinking. He's like, my God, I could have been up there. I'm over here. Well, <laughs> you know, people make choices, and you know, I don't know. I, I wish I knew the exact reasoning behind it, but I think that the uh, the fact that he was going out so much on the tour. Because they started touring like the United States very, very early, long before right. Kill 'Em All came out. So, yeah. Anyway, let's move it to track four. Jump in the fire, Chris. If you're a fan of Megadeth, you absolutely know this to be a Mustaine riff through yeah. and through. You can tell this is who penned this riff, and it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think the, the sound on this is you know, obviously James's vocals, the sound of the early thrash days, the, the teenage voice screaming. I love it. Uh, I think that... Uh, this this solo is Kirk does an incredible job on the guitar solo. This is pre Wawa, you know. Is you know he wasn't using the Wawa as much on this, and I think he blazes through this song. It seems to be fun to play when you do see Metallica play this one live. Although they don't pull this one out too much anymore, at least from what I've seen in, in set lists recently. Um, but they don't disappoint on this song. It's a great. It's a fun ride. I think it's an excellent song, and I'm at an eight, Chris. Jump with the fire. Uh, something I say a lot tonight is I, I love that opening riff, and credit to Mustaine for writing it, and credit for, to to James and Kurt for playing it. It's amazing. Uh, I think I don't know if it's possible to have a sleeper on this album, but but this probably is mine. I, I'm not sure what the singles were actually. Do, do you know off the top of your head, Jimmy? Yeah, that's actually this was actually one of the two singles. Whiplash was the first one, and Jump in the Fire was the second one. Those are the singles. You mean? Yeah, and they actually Troy and Four single. Horsemen weren't singles. No, these That's were two crazy. singles that you could st- you could buy these and back in the nineties as singles. You know, I had okay. these on cassette years and years ago. Well, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> anyway. It's crazy. Uh, man, it's just a, an infectious chorus. It's really easy to sing along to. I'm kind of a sucker for a good chorus, man. And this is just one that's. I love the riffs. I love the chorus. Again, that rhythm section just pushes it. The whole band crushes it on this song. I think uh, I gave it nine. I think it's outstanding. Oh wow! One, yeah, one of my fantastic. more favorite songs on the album. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Anthony, talk to us. Jump in the fire. Uh, songfacts.com. This song is written from the perspective of the devil. <laughs> he tempts people with sin and waits as they die and enter hell, which is where they jump in the fire. So I guarantee the band Venom probably had a lot to do with the song, too, I bet, because I know they were big into... They're a huge Venom fan. They actually toured with Venom. I keep thinking of that song. It says, that Venom song says something about In League with Satan. What is that That song? That is the name of the song. It's the name of the song, In League with Satan. It's the kind of way that song goes. So, yeah. Anyways. Sunday morning going off the band. I'm telling you, man. It really is. It's, I think, actually, I think the lyric is evil in league with Satan. Okay. I, I know the song. I don't know a lot of Venom, but I know that song. It's a pretty uh, good song, it's, actually. But uh, It's crazy. Oh, my God. You want to cross yourself about six times while you listen to it. But, yeah, no kidding. Uh, jump in the fire. You know, what applied before applies here. It's loud, aggressive, dark, and everything youthful rebellion can inspire. Uh, killer tune. Everything works. It's a nine. It's outstanding to me. So Awesome. All right, we're going to go ahead and go to track number five, probably Chris's favorite song on the record. It's this called the Anesthesia. Anesthesia, pulling teeth. And that's just a master at work right there. So, Cliff Burton's uh, signature on the record. I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, I'll be honest with you, this is not their best instrumental album they've ever recorded. I think there are far superior instrumentals on the on the Ride the Lightning with Call of Cthulhu and, of course, Master of Puppets, Ryan, which is my favorite, of course, of course. Of my favorite song. I love it. Um, <clears throat> but in reality, I do appreciate all their instrumentals. Um, it's definitely not as good as the next two that they do release over the years. Um, I mean, it's a bass solo. It's Cliff Burton. That's basically enough said. I think it's good. I don't think it's crazy good. I don't think it's excellent. I don't think anything outstanding. Uh, I was joking with Chris the other night about this stuff. I mean, I can see where you could skip this song only because it's just uh, it's just not something that I don't think it really matches what's going on in the record. I get it's like a progressive bass solo for him, but um, it's still good. I, and I'm at a five. That's that's really I think it's fair to give this a five. I don't think it's much worthy over than that because he's not playing anything outstandingly difficult. Um, you know, it's not a Les Claypool solo. I don't know. Les Claypool is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's good. It's good. I'm not knocking it, but it's that's it's where I stand. Chris, what do you think about Anastasia? I know what you're doing. You know, you know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, in all fairness, and. and <sighs> Okay, the song Cathedral by Van Halen, in a way, because it does, like, it's kind of like Eddie was doing something a little crazy, if you remember at the time. Now, Eddie, I don't mean to bash Cliff. We're talking Eddie Van Halen here. He's, like, one of the Mount Rushmore musicians of all time. So, like, 
It's not that. But I mean, I think it's kind of similar in that they were trying something new. Jimmy, you totally screwed me here because I had a whole bit ready. You're going to slap and you me. You actually didn't get I, I thought you were going to like fanboy the hell out of it. It's okay. I've got a fanboy the hell out of it. It's so okay. It's okay. I so let's pretend. Let's pretend that you just gushed gave it a nine. Hey, pretend I gave you it a nine. Hey, Chris, do you want me to go? Because I'm about to fanboy on it. So <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Anthony. And I'll, I'll give the last Because I did give it a nine, actually. Oh I think it's an God. outstanding song. Let's hear your review first. Well, there is song facts. Let's move the song facts first. Um, this instrumental track is from Kill em All, of course. It's comprised of a compilation of different solos Cliff Burton had done live and pieced together as a complete bass solo on the album, which is really cool. It's a showcase for Burton's soloing, which is also cool, composition and arrangement skills, as well as influences which include Geezer Butler and Getty Lee, also very cool. Getty Lee, uh, of course. <laughs> as a bass guitar guy, this song has always thrilled me. I love to hear the bass treated in such a glorious way, and Cliff Burton knew how to handle a bass guitar. This proves it. Also love how it kicks in about halfway through. That's a nice little jam. I gave it a nine. I think it's outstanding. I'm digging it, enjoying it. But I'm a bass guy. I love to hear the bass guitar get a little chance to shine. So, you know, that's probably why I'm a little more favored for it. So go ahead and hit me with what you got. Hit me with your best shots, Pat Benatar (laughs) says. What can I say that that Anthony hasn't already said, guys? It's absolute bass solo perfection. It's a ten. Not... (laughs) Chris's Flush of the Week. <laughs> it's absolute self-indulgent drivel that nobody really wants to hear. The people that act like they do are just fanboys. I skip it every time it comes on. Straight flush. It's a four. It's a meh. That's what there I we go. Yeah. Moving on. Let's go. <laughs> right, I mean, it's to- awesome, man. I, I just I love hearing Cliff Burton play bass. He's just an amazing bass guitar. So just watch him in concert sometime, man. He's 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 nuts. In all yeah. seriousness, though, I, I do kind of think it kind of reminds me of Cathedral in some aspects because I kind of feel like they're, I mean, I don't know. This is their first album. I think Cliff was trying some new stuff there. I don't know. Well, they, like you said, they like, pieced together concert uh, bass solos to make it one cohesive unit. So it was really more just a bunch of little small things he had done. So, but I really yeah. like it. But I mean, it's I like it too. It's just like I said, I, it, some things about it, you know, it, it to me, it didn't necessarily fit the record. I can see that, great. but at it the same time, I like the fact you kind of hear the bass guitar used in a way you don't normally hear it. You hear like the screeches on the strings and the, almost like the like a guitar at times. It's really kind of neat the way he does all that. So, but oh yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's fantastic. I mean, it's 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 a it's a fun ride. It's a fun ride. Uh, I I don't skip it every time, but I know I do skip it. Like Chris said, I don't skip it every time, but I will skip it on occasion. Because the next song absolutely destroys. Hit it. Chris, track six, Whiplash.
Holy smokes. So you go from anesthesia to whiplash. And honestly, this is how you wake a listener back up. And I'm going to tell you right now, this song, way back when I really first started listening to this record, and this, this when I first got on this record, it was post me listening to Master Puppets first and then Ride the Lightning and then getting this record. I, I wasn't into it at the time. Seeing it played live multiple times over the years and multiple listens changed my mind about this song and to this day this is one of my favorite metallica songs and i absolutely love it this uh this is a headbanging ride that is absolutely awesome the riff is absolutely spectacular it's memorable and it is a fan favorite and i will say that uh, over the years i know i've seen it a handful of times live guys we were all together when they played greensboro they closed the show with this song in case y'all don't remember that, That's been a bit. and it was, and it was awesome. And I love how they change the lyrics up on occasion. They'll change Whiplash to Dick Rash, and that's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. I think this is an absolute staple. Through time, this one has become iconic to me. This is Metallica perfection. You guys can argue it. This is a ten, absolute ten. Chris, Whiplash. Yeah, it's interesting this one didn't grab you right off the bat, to be honest. I, that, I mean, it, to me, it feels very infectious and just an easy song to get into. Well, I'll tell you what. The reason why is because I had Four Horsemen on my mind because I had been watching, you know, seeing seeing the stuff live. Four Horsemen I saw Watching wrestling a lot back in the day. Yeah, wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. The Four Horsemen. <laughs> Arn Anderson. Then you had Seek and Destroy. I remember, yeah. I remember <laughs> the Four Horsemen, yeah. No, you had Motor Breath and you had uh, No Remorse, which are, we'll get to you know that one in a little while. But yeah. those are all killer songs, you know. But this song is absolutely a blazer, and I, I love it. Love it. Man, it's a good song. I agree 100%. Uh, another one... I say a few things a lot tonight, but they're just—it's just facts about this album. It's—it's—it's it's, it's infectious. It's raw. It's got just high energy, power to it. Catchy chorus, solid riffs, easy to sing along to. In the very beginning of that song, I was listening to it the other day, and it almost kind of reminds me of uh, the devil went down to Georgia. The way those drums kick in, you know what I mean? At the beginning of it, <laughs> yeah. that's what I thought when I heard that at first. I was like, "Wow, that's an interesting comparison." I'm sure they didn't plan on that or anything, but. Yeah, I give it eight and a half. I'm I'm between outstanding That's and excellent on mine. Yeah. That's a fair score. Anthony, Whiplash. Songfacts.com. It's a tribute to Metallica's headbanging fans. This song captures the feeling of thrashing to the music in concert. Whiplash is a pretty serious medical condition, and enough headbanging can bring it on, causing injuries similar to those sustained in a car accident. Known as Metal Neck. It can afflict both fans and band members. That's a great name for a podcast, by the way. And it said Slipknot drummer's Chris Fain has suffered from it. Uh, but Metal Neck, that's a great name for a podcast, isn't it? That wow. is a good one. Yeah. Uh, I know I was watching uh, a bit of Metallica from Russia a few days ago, and uh, my kids were in the room with me, and uh, they were watching Newstead and a couple, I think, uh, Hetfield, just throwing their hair around. My daughter's like, how do they do that? And then she started trying <laughs> to do something similar to it. And I was like, got her. All right. Good. <laughs> the hooks are in. The hooks are in. Was it the 91 concert you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the one that played like for a million people oh, in Russia. For a million people, yeah. Sandman crap, is dude. just killer on that one. Man, Shit, Harvester that. is killer on that one. Holy crap. Inner Sandman was oh, just like, crap. the speakers are terrible on my TV, but I could still feel it. <laughs> I couldn't imagine what a really good sound system would sound God, like. Sandman. Killer. Man. killer. But, Anyways, Whiplash, man, I, you know, I love how the last song kind of fades into this one. 
And if you weren't impressed by the ferocious onslaught of this band Metallica by this point in the record, then buckle up. Um, this might be one of their fastest songs. One of them. It's, a, it's an all-out ear assault, and I love it. Um, I give it a 9. It's outstanding. But I'm going to bump that to a 10 and give it a perfection, too. Because after listening to Whiplash in my speakers just now, I would just... It got me, man. It so I'm going to bump it. this one to a 10. So. I told you I was going to fanboy. I tried to control it, but I, I cannot do it. I, so. I don't care, man. So <laughs> I, This is, in fact, I'm going to ask that question if you remind me later what you guys would rank in maybe your top five Metallica albums. Be curious to hear what, you, what they are. So I can definitely do so. So, yeah, man. All right. So let's uh, flip this record over. Track number seven, Phantom Lord. Chris. Phantom Lord, heck of a way to start off side two. I mean, this song is a riff fest. It's fast. Uh, it's probably one of the riffiest songs they've got on there. And this is the first taste of James's religious background and putting in biblical meanings into songs. Um, talking about uh, the Phantom Lord being God not being visible and going through and annihilating, like, you know, how uh, basically how. King David and King uh, Saul were able to take over the land back in the day with the Phantom Lord. Nobody could see him, but they they were all powerful because of God. So lyrically, you know, Hetfield, he uses this a lot. We'll, get, we'll hear it creeping death on the next record for sure. But, uh, I mean, this song is fantastic. I love this one. Heck of a way to start this uh, second side off. I think it's eight. It's excellent. That's where I stand. Chris. Yeah, it's a solid tune on the back half of the album. It's kind of middle of the road for me. Oh, being honest. okay. Uh, I mean, I, listen, middle of the road for these guys is exceptional for another band. You know, I mean, true, it's just, true. that's uh, <laughs> it's only so much uh, when it comes to Metallica. But, you know, the, the part there's a part in the song there where it kind of it breaks down and builds back up kind of in the second half of the song. That's that's a really neat part. Guitar works very solid on this song. I guess I don't know if those are Mustaine's riffs and Kirk doing them or what, but it's it's right. excellent. Uh, I give it a seven. I, I think it's very good. Uh, and, and honestly... <laughs> Other than that bass solo, this would have been my lowest score. There would have been no flush if it weren't for that bass solo, but it is what it is. So. That's all right. Anthony, what do you think about Phantom Lord? Uh, song facts. Metallica combines two heavy metal lyric tropes on Phantom Lord. The pummeling force of the music and a menacing fantasy creature. Can't get Bro. much more. Can't get much more metal than that, I don't think. Yeah, it's, got a, it's a nice intro, man. It's got that creepy horror vibe all over it before the drums and guitar tear into the speakers you know it's aggressive powerful in your face 
It's another song that just pummels your ears in a good way. Um, there are also some really good transitions too. I gave it another nine. I think it's outstanding. So wow, yeah, fantastic. Like I said, I'm just, I'm just going to fanboy this one. Man. No, just, no mercy, know. man. That's what, you know. I, I tried to check mine at the door. I can't do it either. Don't feel bad. All right, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to track eight. No remorse, Chris. Oh my, oh my, that should get your head moving. Fantastic. <laughs> one of my favorite songs off this Metallica record, one of my favorite songs from Metallica. Seeing them play this live is an absolute joy. Uh, lyrically, this is great. It's pure anger for a young teenager. And lyrically, I mean, it's comical this day and time, but man, when you were 18, 19 years old, you hear this, it absolutely makes you want to thrash, fight, headbang, whatever. I love this song then. I love this song now. I think it's somewhere between outstanding and perfection. I'm at a nine and a half. Chris, no remorse. It's definitely a headbanger. We're, we're all sitting here just like banging our heads. Listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, the riff's fantastic. Again, I say it all the time on this. I love the raw. It's just a rawness to his it's vocals. but it's, it's perfect, yeah. man, for what it is. Chorus is great. Love that breakdown. Um Hetfield and Hammond are both just killing it on this song, honestly. Uh, I'm probably a little low. I said eight and a half, but I think it's 20 excellent outstanding. That's I, fair. I guess I'll stick to what I got there. That's fair, man. That's fair. I am up to a nine. This is, out, this is outstanding song. All right. Yeah, I'm up <laughs> it to a nine. Anthony, talk to us about No Remorse. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of my favorite things about this album is the, the rawness in it. You don't get a rawness in Metallica like this after this, really. It gets a little more polished and a little more... You're right. Power, just raw power. This is man. pure this is, yeah, raw right. energy. You're absolutely right, guys. Which there's nothing wrong with Paul. They just grew up a little bit and got some better, more, a little more money and a probably better studio and better producers or something. But right. there's a there's a youthful energy here that you just don't hear in their music much. Right, not right. I like about this one so much. But I don't. Not sure James could screech like this today. He <laughs> he tries and he does okay, <laughs> no. but he can't do it like he used to. No sir. But, uh, no sir. Uh, no it. Remorse, His man. vocals are very good still. Oh, it's yeah. just he's, oh, yeah. he's molded yeah. it a bit. But he has to. We'll, we'll get yeah. That yeah. In the next but, section here. But. but they've been smart. They haven't tried to keep their youth. They've actually tried to adapt their music to their, their age, which has been very smart. A lot of bands need to try and do that. I, I agree. Um, you know, you know, No Remorse, man. Uh, there's no facts on this one. It's the only song with no facts I could find for anything. I looked at Wikipedia. I looked at song facts. Oh, wow. Nothing. So... I don't know why. <laughs> I guess it gets no remorse. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's just a sick groove to lead this song off before that guitar annihilates the speakers. And once again, Metallica is on point. Uh, like I said, their youthful take on the world attitude is all over this song and this album. 
and they would have no remorse on the metal world for years and years to come. Everything works. It's a nine. It's outstanding. So, Right on, my friend. Right on. All right. Here we go, boys. Track nine. Seek and destroy. clear my throat <clears throat> here we go <laughs> seek and destroy all right so it's one of the most iconic riffs ever written instantly recognizable from the first note this song has it all the crowd sing along masterful riffing a great solo a breakdown in the middle this one sticks in your mind and gets your head bobbing james's voice screaming through the riffs this is the song that everybody that was a fan prior to the Black Album knew was the sing-along. Seek and Destroy was a fan favorite from the time it was in, just from inception, basically. For you for you younger folks that think Ander Sandman is your sing-along song, no kids, it's this one. Seek and Destroy <laughs> is the original, and it absolutely destroys. One of the reasons why I love hockey so much to these days is because they will continue to play these hard, heavy metal riffs, and Metallica is a fan favorite. Seek and Destroy is played in tons of arenas. <laughs> and when I hear it, I'm like, oh, my God. And you see these little tiny kids getting into it. I love it. They're, I mean, the legacy of Metallica will live on long after these guys are gone, long after we're gone. And at least we're going to be able to say to our grandkids and, and beyond that, hey, we saw these guys in their prime because we did. It is absolutely a fun ride. This song is perfection through and through. It's a 10. Chris, Seek and Destroy. I have this vision of being a hockey player in the NHL, like a defensive player yeah. or something. And <laughs> seeing some guy coming at me, just having this song on my yeah. head, just ready to just lay him out. You know? Yeah. That's crazy. Dude, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's not much more I can say. I mean, it's, it's probably the best song on the album. It's an absolute concert staple. Uh, everything about it is fantastic. It's such an iconic riff. I mean, it, there's a nostalgia with this one. It's very groove-driven, too. I love the groove on this song. Uh, it's easy, ten. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Anthony, talk to us. My lowest song of the night. I figured it. Songfacts.com. James Hetfield based the theme of this song on a Diamond Head song called Dead Reckoning. He explained to Guitar World, I used to work in a sticker factory in L.A., and I wrote that riff in my truck outside work. So he's just sitting outside work and writes 
one of the greatest metal riffs of all time. So <laughs> just amazing. That's awesome. Um, yeah, man, you know, I just I love how this one comes in with that guitar riff. They follow it up with those pounding drums. It's really good stuff. You know, this song is another masterpiece by them. It's a masterpiece in the metal world. Uh, it's just a powerful song that rips from start to finish. Band's killing it again. It's a 10. It's perfection. And I, I think it's third all-time in concert, if I'm not mistaken. It, it has to be. It's got to be up there, Anthony. It has to be. This is and I think when I was looking through the, the concert facts, like Whiplash was actually the was pretty high up, oh, too, it, over, I think, it, Fade to It has to be, too, over, man, for sure. Over the Four Horsemen. The Four Horsemen was a little lower in concert than I thought it was going to be. They did take time off on that, and I can't remember what tour. It might have been on the Master Puppets. I can't remember. which Some tour they took yeah. it. No, 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 no. It might have been. Did we see them when they, when they played Black? Did they play this live? Do you remember, Chris? I can't remember. Like if it way played. back in 91. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. 30 <laughs> um, some years ago. I'm asking you. Jesus I mean, I would Christ. say yes, but I honestly, I don't, can't remember. Well, they, they didn't play Four Horsemen when we saw them down in, uh, in Greensboro together. So that was off the load tour. So they didn't play it on the load tour. I don't think, of course they, they're known to mix it up. So they do. It's like that Amsterdam shows they're doing now. They didn't well, play like one and stuff, but they're playing another show like last. Oh, they're playing Sam. Hey, that, that blew my listen, mind. Listen, guys, yeah. this tour. I was going to talk about it next the next half of this this episode, but uh, this tour, they're night one. They're playing a whole set of songs. Night two, they're not doubling any songs. For two nights, they're playing two different complete set lists. And they did play Inner Sandman the next night, just so you got, obviously, since, and there was a closer for the next night. Can you imagine being some, like, kind of borderline fan and showing up and them not playing? Dude. (laughs) That happened happened to me with Cheap Trick, um, me and Emily, because we went to see Cheap Trick with, I think they opened for Death Leopard. Um, oh, wow. And Emily wanted to hear The Flame. Oh, God. That's one of the few songs she knows. And they didn't play it. I I was going to say, I don't think they play that one anymore. Like for years, they didn't play it. She was so disappointed. She's like the one song she really knew by him and liked. Oh, uh, they didn't play it. And that's it. a huge hit, dude. Yeah, and they play like that Elvis Presley cover stuff. Right? It's like, <laughs> drop that one and play the flame. My God, <laughs> I love it. Oh, you got my one God. big hit, and it's like, why don't you play that in concert? I don't understand it. You know, you play that every show. Man, y'all, y'all might be late, lose track of where I was at. Holy crap. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We're, we're going on to metal militia. Metal militia kids. Let's go to the final song on this record. Track 10, Metal Militia. Hit it, Chris. So Metallica closes out this incredible album with another Mustaine written riff. Um, I will say Metallica knows how to close out records, guys. I mean, this is a it's tough to follow the monster song that is Seek and Destroy, and it's hard to put in your mind that could this be better? And it's and it's not a better song. Arguably, they could have 
they really could have opened with this record or open opened this record with this song in theory because it's it's the metal militia it's the onslaught what you're getting ready to get through um however i mean the only way you can follow seek and destroy is to put out something fast and thrashy and that's what they've done uh they go balls out on the end song it's i mean this one is so fast and so thrash and so riffy that it really shows the fire and rage this band had back in 82 and 83 probably even 81 i can't remember what year this was written but uh it had to be in that time frame um, I mean, this one may not be as memorable as the rest of the record, but it is a fantastic way to close out. This is my lowest rating on the night. This is going to be a seven, guys. I think the song is obviously. Uh, I think it's. I think it's great. Uh, but that's it. I mean, coming off of Seek and Destroy, going into this, I can't really. I can't argue that score for myself. So, Chris, Metal Militia. Yeah, I think it's a solid closer. Again, Hetfield's got those raw vocals, man. It's very raw in this song, it feels like. For sure. Uh, rhythm section's really pushing the song. Blistering guitar solos. Man, I say the same stuff on a lot of these songs. Uh, you know, I will say when I was kind of like bouncing the, the, the music beforehand, I was testing a few clips. I played this one, and I played Hit the Lights back-to-back. They almost sound identical, uh, the, the riffage in both of those oh. songs. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a seven and a half. I think it's a solid closer, but I'm kind of with you, man. It, it's it's nothing weak on this album, but it's one of the you know it's not it's not what it was the previous song. Let's just say that. I mean, it's absolutely. But but it's it's raw and it's it shows where they were in that time. And yeah, I mean, seven and a half is between great and and excellent. So I mean, that's not an insult. Absolutely, Anthony, talk to us. Uh, song facts uh, in this song. Metallica rally the troops, joining their fans to form a metal militia ready to take on the world. It's one of the earliest Metallica songs, and while the lyrics are a bit uneven, the metalization of your inner soul, the message comes through. Musically, it's a burst of feral thrash metal that shows off the sound they were fine to become the biggest metal band of the era. And I can't really argue with that much at all. You know, I think it's a hell of a way to end an incredible debut album. And I know I said one of the songs before was one of their fastest. I think this is definitely one of their fastest. It's ridiculously <laughs> fast. It's ferocious in its power and intensity. And you can't ask your band to close out an album any better than this. It's a nine. It's outstanding again for me. So Awesome. And now, to close this out, to give my final, my final thoughts, uh, I, I did narrow this down because we have a little discussion coming on about the new record. Um, I think my overall assessment of this album is simply this. This is a snapshot in time for one of the greatest rock slash metal bands of all time. It's a primitive taste of excellent songwriting, excellent guitar riffs, and catchy tunes. There was no way that the world was ready for what James Kirk, Lars, and Cliff had to offer in 1983. And this album really did prove that heavy metal fans needed something that was faster and heavier. One of, if not the best debut albums I've ever heard from a thrash band. My score came out to be 8.5. I'm good with that score, and I could not reckon this, reckon, recommend this anymore to anybody who hasn't heard If you haven't heard it, you do need to listen to it. This is Metallica history. This takes me back to a snapshot in my life where I was basically 12, 13 years old learning this, you know, be, this becoming my band, if you will, after seeing these guys play live, you know, opening for who I thought was the best metal artist of all time at that time in my life, Ozzy Osbourne. So that just tells you how seeing something live and be like, whoa, what just happened can make you take your mom, make your mom go buy this Master of Puppets album 
and then go back and just it becomes something that engulfs you. I never thought these guys were going to be successful with what they were playing because that was not radio friendly back in the days, guys. And look what's happened. Can't say nothing else about it. Fantastic ride. Chris, final thoughts. That's a good pick, Anthony. It, it definitely held up in our memory. I mean, this was almost like shooting fish in a barrel this week because we all know this album very well to begin with, right? Right. But, but you know what's amazing? These guys were a bunch of teenagers when they did this, man. I mean, that that's insane. I, I think of the teenagers I know right now, and they're a bunch of – there's no way those guys could do something like this. You know? It's just I – mean, it's these amazing. Guys are only, these guys are only about 10 years older than us, so you think about that, and we're all 50. I know. That I know. means we were, what, 10 or 11 at this time? And that means they're like right around 18, 18, man. But just just no one, no one like the typical teenager and them putting together something like this is just, I mean, there's some, there's some genius behind it. There really is Uh, because they almost, you know, there's almost like uh, Nirvana comparisons. I mean, they're, they're blazing their own path, man. They're not copying anybody. They're doing something completely new that everybody else starts copying down the road. But you know, you've got bangers like four horsemen seek and destroy, I'm kind of shocked that the, neither one of those were singles when Jimmy like it was like no it was what Jumping to Fire and Whiplash I mean yep, which are also two, two fantastic songs right right but uh, this was absolutely the 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 start of something special uh, and, and it's historical there's a historical relevance to, relevance to this album because it kind of just started a new genre when you get right down to it. I'm, I'm I'm sure there were other people ahead. But like to to make it mainstream, like it became, it's Metallica that did it, and this is the the, the beginnings of that. Uh, my score was eight two, uh, and you know for the historical relevance, I'm gonna bump it to eight and a half as well because I think that's probably a fair score for this album. All right, fair yeah. enough. Anthony, your final thoughts. Uh, you know, I wrote uh, this album as it ages and I age continues to rise up in the ranks of some of Metallica's best work. It's full of piss and vinegar and aggression. And this album showcases a band hungry for success and hungry to take over the metal scene. And that they did. Lars is killing it on drums. Kirk is shredding like a madman. James sounds amazing on vocals. And Cliff shines on the bass guitar in a way few bass guitarists ever have. If there is a Mount Rushmore heavy metal bands, Metallica deserves to be on it. And I stand by that because they certainly changed the whole landscape. Um, my final rating is 9.2. And of course, I stand by that one easily enough. Uh, this is one of the greatest heavy metal debuts of all time. And this will lead into that that discussion. I want to just real quick. The, it's probably a top five, if not top three Metallica album for me. So I've kind of got my list in my head, but I was just curious what you guys if you were ranking maybe your top five Metallica albums, what would they be? All right, brother. I'll go first. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start it out. Number one for me is going to be Master. Number two for me is going to be Ride. Okay. Number three for me, and this is where some folks will think I'm crazy, Justice, man. Justice is just a powerhouse of an album. Number four for me, I'm probably going to get a little hate on this. But I'm going to go ahead and say the Black Album's number four. And then number five is going to be Kill. Okay. That's how I rate them. Chris. Uh, well, yeah, definitely Master One, Ride of Lightning Two. Uh, 
It's I'd tough. Say, it's tough. Well, I'd say Black has to be three for me. I just okay. I think even though they changed directions, it was such a. And I'm trying to think of like history. It's bombastic. Use Anthony's word. He is bombastic. It's I mean, a heavy uh, album too. I'd say Kill Him Out all at four and Load at five. Oh, wow. I, I'm not sure Justice oh, wow. falls so, in my top five. Yeah, I, I, dude, I've always loved the Justice stuff. Man, you know what? Kind of like it's Load, like load and Reload kind of like fall in the same boat for me. So I'm going to say Load really, slash Reload, even though it's like a hundred songs. But those are. Really good albums. Solid I went albums. back and listened to I those agree. recently. They they get some hate, but they had really great music on those. Dude, it was just the change in the time. The, the lack of bass the, guitar in, in Justice. Just the, See, the, that's the why a lot of people say it. Chris rubs yeah, me raw, man. A lot of people say it, dude. I agree. I agree with you, but I love that. They're just a raw yeah, edge. I mean, there's so, some awesome man. tunes on that too. So yeah, killer, killer. See, for All me, right. it's Master of Puppets, like you guys, because that's my first album by them in '86. I, I still remember getting that cassette tape. What's that? <laughs> it's, I it think it's a, all of ours. It's an absolute it masterpiece, man. There's just no it way is. around it. But see, Justice is probably two for me. Oh, wow. I've yeah. I've always been a fan of Justice. Uh, Kill Em All is third, Black, and then Ride the Lightning. That's nice. my top five. See, we're we're basically really close to. I mean, Chris throws in load, which is a fantastic. It's, it's good. Like, you hate it, love it or hate it. It's a great. Album. I, I great hate album. to be the person who just does the first five, but their first five really are their their Solid. pinnacles. They really God, are. And then, so good. But so good. I think after five, you get to maybe load and reload, and then their three newest albums kind of they kind of jostle around for the rest of the top ten. And Saint Anger is definitely out of the top ten for me. I like oh, that album well, in spots. Dead last for sure. But I like that album in spots. I mean, like Frantic's a great song, and Saint Anger's a great song, and uh, there's another one. There's some kind of monsters a really good one, but it's that drum sound. It yeah, just really what, hurts that album so much. I uh, I argued that point on. Uh, I did a video review of uh, the Seventy Two Seasons there last week, and uh, on my on the YouTube channel and. I argued that talked about how St. Anger is just the one album that if they would remaster that, re-release that with normal drum tone, <laughs> it'd have some bangers. It would have I mean, some St. Anger dude. could be one of their top ten songs. That song is amazing. Oh, it's a great song. It's a great song. Even with uh, the drums, it's still amazing. <laughs> some some kind of monster is a good song too, lyrically. I mean it's just it's great. All right, yeah. list. But all right, so uh let's do this uh let's do this final section, guys. Uh, this is the bonus part of the episode. We're going to just briefly discuss the latest release, 72 Seasons. Uh, this uh, this record just released a few weeks back. We're, uh, we're talking about April 14th, and we're recording this as of today. It's April 30th, so we've had basically two weeks to listen to this record. Um, as you guys know, it's it's Metallica 40 <laughs> years later. It's crazy. Isn't it? Who wants to go first? I mean, let, me, let me get mine out of the way because right, you guys Chris, are probably much more ahead, detailed than me. Go ahead and kill it, Chris. <laughs> I listened to it maybe two times all the way through, uh, so I don't have like a seasoned kind of polished. Li- but but I will say, well, kind of the the impressions I got of it, it's it's a very good album. Kind of reminds me of the way uh, ACDC did that late, last album oh, we reviewed yeah. a while back. You know, a lot of bands like, and I, and I know Anthony disagrees with this. But, you know, these, some of these 80s bands, man, with all, they keep churning out new albums. And it's just like nobody really wants to hear this stuff, man. Uh, these guys buck the trend on that. And, and as ACDC did on their album, it feels relevant, fresh, and, and it doesn't feel, you know, you know it's, it's so, so to me, it kind of has a lot of that. I, you know, I mentioned Load and Reload were right there. To me, it feels similar to those albums. It's very groove driven. You know, James's vocals, he's he's adapted those vocals to 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 something that's 
I don't know, it's, it's current and it's relevant and, and it's, it sounds good and it's not like the thrash stuff in the past, but doesn't need to be. Uh, they've, you know, they've kind of molded their sound to, to something, like I say, a little more groove, heavy groove, but it's not thrash. And it, it does remind me a lot of the stuff from the 90s. And, and I like the fact, you know, Jimmy, you were showing the, as a, the playlist from a recent concert. They might have had two songs off this album, right? I mean, they, they know they're not going to overwhelm the crowd with a, a ton of stuff off the new album. We'll sprinkle in some good songs. And there are some good songs on that album. Uh, and and then we'll just play the hits. And that's exactly what these bands need to take note. You know, don't don't throw out stuff nobody wants to hear. Yeah, when you're, don't you oversaturate like, it with the new stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much my take on it. Uh, I feel like, and I do think Hetfield is a master at, you know, his vocals, you know, that was raw stuff we just listened to, right? This right. is more polished, but he's still, and he doesn't strain his vocals, but but it, it fits his wheelhouse and it rocks and he knows how to use it to his advantage. And a guy like John Bon Jovi, I don't know if he's capable of that or Axl Rose, or some of these guys that just don't have the pipes anymore, man. Maybe Axl's okay. I mean, there's times he sounds rough, but, you know, like, Hetfield doesn't do that. And even when he sings the old songs in concerts, he kind of he kind of puts his new spin on it, and it sounds fantastic. So, uh, yeah, this, this album is really good. I thought it was solid start to finish, uh, and I'm sure I'll listen to it a few more times. But I'm not sure it's something I'm going to listen to all the time, you know. It's sure. just it, it's it's I appreciate it for what it is. Have you happened to listen to their other ones, Death Magnetic or uh, Hardwired? I've listened Much? to Death, Death Magnetic um a couple of times. I don't know Hardwired, I don't I don't believe so. Yeah, anyway, wow. well, you want to go Jimmy? I'll go ahead and go. Obviously, um I mean, I as most people listen to this thing and you two know, this is one of my favorite bands if not my favorite band uh got this thing uh listened to it tons of times i feel like this album's a grower it it when i my first listen i thought yeah this is pretty good you know um a couple songs outstanding in my ears uh, but the more i listen to it the more it starts becoming familiar obviously the more you listen the more you'll start appreciating things songs start to stand out more so um, i think the opening song 72 seasons is an absolute banger killer tune i think the sec i will say this my only complaint is this thing is a long long listen you can get some listener fatigue on this because it is 77 minutes um i feel like they could have dropped two or three tunes off this made you know make a an eight to ten song record and save those shelf those other songs that aren't as strong and maybe develop them more or just save them for another album because yeah look they're not they're not getting any younger these guys are all 60 roughly uh, Hetfield will be 60 this year, um, you know, and he's the master riff writer. So let's, let's save some riffs. Let's get one more good album out before you guys call it quits. I hope, I don't know, but, um, 72, like I said, 72 seasons, shadows follows a great song. I think, shadows uh, follows, you must burn awesome. is the sad, but true of this record. Uh, great tune. Lux Eterna, fast one crown of barbed wire, that bass solo at the beginning or the bass, at the beginning oh, it's yeah. very bass heavy. And then you got Lars banging his way along there with, with Rob. I think Rob's getting to showcase some of his talent song on this, on this record as well. Um, I love if darkness had a son, that riff just, a, you know, that got my head banging. Um, but then too far gone. It's, it's okay. Room of mirrors. Okay. In a Marauder, that song I was complaining about, but it's slowly growing on me because it's an 11 minute song. I think they could have possibly cut that down. But, you know, that being said, 
Chris is right. This is a good listen, if not very good listen. Uh, I don't even know what my score would be because I didn't really break it down. But um, I think it is well worth your time to give it a shot. And I will say this. There are going to be some Metallica purists that absolutely crap on this record because it ain't Kill 'Em All Part 2 or Master Puppets Part 2. And they're never, they're never going to do that. Get it out of your head. I was that guy when Load was released and, and Reload was released. But I realized things change. These guys adapted to the sound. And that's and let's face it, that's why they're the, one of the biggest bands in the world right now. These guys can no longer play in your local venues anymore. They have to play in stadiums. So right. think about that for a minute. And yep. if that doesn't make you think, well, they're doing something right because they're doing a lot of things right. They don't care. They play what they want. They do what they want. And they've released a pretty darn good album. That's my final thought on that one. Anthony, what did you think about 72 Seasons? You know, they could do, you know, like take a few songs off and do like a Beyond 72 Seasons. Like it did Beyond Magnetic where they released those yep, that four songs EP. or something yep. like that. Maybe put that little EP out later on. Because they made like the very last song they could put on that, you know, you know, cut down on that. But I love that last song. But, uh, you know, it's an incredible album from start to finish. And I keep kind of comparing it to Iron Maiden's new album because it's the, the length again. I've listened to this like three times in its entirety because it's so long. Um, now, the singles, I've listened to a bunch. I've, I've wore those out. Yeah. But uh, my biggest, my, if I had to pick one little gripe, it's like that hour and 17 minutes. Is It it really, you got to put some time into it. Like with, with Iron Maidens, you really got to put some time into it. It's well worth the time, don't get me wrong. I think both those albums are great. But it's funny how last year, three bands that I really enjoyed, Death Leopard, Iron Maiden and Metallica within the last two or three years have put out new albums. Two of those are talked about quite frequently. One of those isn't. <laughs> and that's Death Leopard's new album, which was a really good, solid album that it's a shame they don't get a little more love for. But anyways, See, I, I'll be honest with you, Anthony, but Def Leopard, my mind is not doing it right. They're, they're not exactly they're trying to recapture their 80s stuff exactly. instead of moving forward. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the thing I was going to say about with Metallica and Maiden that I, I love is that they don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. like, this is us. Make it love current. it, hate it. Metallica. Love it or hate it. That's exactly right. Maiden even will play entire albums, new albums, like A Matter of Life and Death. They play that entire thing from start to finish in concert on tour. Yeah. You know, and I love a band that just does that, you know, and you don't try and keep reliving the past. You kind of, you know, go into the future. But anyways, this new album. I would album, be man, disappointed if I, if I went to see Iron Maiden and they played something, an entire new album. Of well, you kids. would know would, because oh, they do. They, tell they, you, do, they announce it. They oh, do a legacy know. tour and then they do an album tour. Exactly. So they do two, two yeah, different Yeah, you would know what tours. you're getting into. Yeah. Right. So if you want to see the hits, you go to the legacy tour. If you want to see the album, you go to the album tour. So you know what you're getting into. So, um, but yeah, man, uh, you know, the little bit I've listened to this one, 72 seasons is amazing. Uh, shadows follow is, is incredible. I like screaming suicide. Mm -hmm. You know, you must burn. It's heavy. Luxie Turner, uh, Doggins had a son, of course, and Marotta. I really love that song. That song's a great way to close the album. And you know, a few of them like, too far gone. Room of Mirrors. I don't remember as much. I guess they don't stand out. Tunes yeah, right. They're just not standout tunes. It's kind of like right. Mez right now in my ears. Yeah, I'm with you, Anthony. There's one song on here. He actually has like a little, almost like an Eddie Van Halen little noodle in it. What is that song on there? It sounds like a little bit like Eddie Van Halen. I don't know what song it is, but uh, God, Eddie Van Halen. That's a heck of a yeah. Riff. There's one on here. I hear it. I hear a little bit of EVH, little Van Halen on it. I'm like, well, wow. I, I wonder if they did that on purpose. 
Um, dude, I should have wrote it down. Yeah, I wish you had it because I'd go back and re-listen to that part because I, I usually I take a note if I hear a flavor or something else that doesn't sound that 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 would you know stand out. I didn't. Yeah, you think of it. Send it in a text group because I want to. I will. I want to somebody here because I'll listen to this again. But uh, the one thing I took away from this album more than anything is just how good everybody sounds. Kirk <laughs> yeah. sounds amazing on guitar. Jesus Christ, dude. Lars is just killing it. This is some of his best drumming that I've ever heard. His drumming is amazing on this. It's so crisp and clean. Um, James sounds amazing on vocals. I like hearing Rob finally get a chance to play some bass lines and hear some bass lines in here. Um, but these guys really, musically, they are on top form in this album. So I think it's a solid, solid album, man. It's up there with uh, their last two as well. I can't really, I couldn't pick the, if I put all three of those in order, I couldn't do it. Because I think they're all very similar to each other, but they're all really, really good albums. So, anyways, yeah, I, I think it's a top-notch thing. And for guys, '80s was when we got into them, and they got started to have an album like this in 2023. Forty years later. I mean, I was listening to these guys in '86 with Master Puppets as my first album by them, and here I'm a 50-year-old man in 2023 still listening to new Metallica, and that's just that's crazy, isn't it? And blows my mind. <laughs> that was great. I will, Anthony. You harken on something. The sound quality of this album is fantastic, and they did spare no expense, from what I understand. They they have their own they have their own studio. It's called Metallica HQ. So right. the stuff they're recording nowadays is in their own studio. So they have the top of the line everything that they record with. Because let's face it, these guys are just writing. I mean, they're they're printing money. Good <laughs> God. I mean, but I'm saying Lars for all the grief Lars gets as a drummer. I've kind of learned a little bit about drummers over the past year or so, and he serves the song so well. He doesn't he doesn't try and become a, oh, watch what I can do. He's like, yeah. this is what the song needs, and this is what I'm going to do. And he excels at that on this album. And I think of all the artists on this album, his drumming stands out the most of everybody. He's just He's on fire on this album. He sounds really good and really strong. Some of the best I've ever heard him do. So That's awesome. Awesome. So, well, boys, that was a fun ride for me, obviously, when we go back and look at something that uh, a band that I love so much, uh, I've enjoyed it. Uh, we've had a, you know, we had plenty of time to digest this record because we've all been listening to it for basically almost 40 years for most part. I guess 20, uh, what, 30, 30 plus years we've listened to this record. So that's crazy to think about. Um, but anyway, guys, this was, uh, I guess it's time for a pick. God. And in this corner... Weighing in at approximately 200 pounds is the master of metal, the guru of guitar, and a lover of all things harmonica. He's our fearless leader. It's Jimmy with his pick of the week. 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 All right, guys. So I don't. I don't. This is going to be weird. I, uh, I've got like a handful of records that I want to review. We just got finished Metallica, so I'm not going to go heavy. I'm going to give you guys a, an option. I've got two blues rock choices, or I've got a classic rock choice from the 70s. What do you guys want to do? And the two blues rocks are modern blues rock from probably the late to uh, the, the, the early 2010s to 2015. And then the, the classic rock that I want to review is from 72-ish. Classic rock. Okay, classic rock. I mean, you know I'm a blues rock guy, but I, whatever you want to do, man. 
I mean, if you guys want to do the classic rock, it's yeah, I'm good. I'll, I'll go ahead Let's and throw it out. It. All right, Santana Abraxas. Santana Abraxas. You have to send me a link to that because I can't. I'll never find that album. I'll send it both to you. I'll send it. I'll send it to both of you. Don't worry. Yeah, Santana Abraxas. It's I think it's his third record, if I'm not mistaken. It's a it's a great tune, and I can't remember if Neil Sean's on this or not. But I'm, Neil Sean was curious, guitarist. Was the blues rock the two albums from the same band? No, no, no. Two different bands. Two different uh, bands my like blues it. rock would have been Gary Clark Jr.'s Black and Blue, ah, dude, or Joe like Bonamassa's uh, Dust Bowl. Gotcha. So that's that's my two blues rock. I knew that Anthony's I had. aversion to modern music would. Pre- Actually, no, I don't have a version. <laughs> Immediately, of music. that's okay. I just can't find a lot I like in modern music. I don't have a version to. It. I just can't find a lot to. to well, I mean, th- those are and those two picks are on my list. I just I didn't know which way uh, to Gary go. Gary Clark Jr. is fantastic, man. I mean, yeah, Gary Clark, it's a great album. Stuff. Great album, yeah, dude. Anything like that, but the bottom ass and the and the Gary Clark are two I'm blues rocks that I love. Guy. Yeah. I think I think you guys may appreciate both those records. But anyway, we'll do a we'll do a classic seventies record, Santana Abraxas, and I do love some Carlos. So all right, guys. Uh Anthony, what do you got going on this week? Song lines and tan lines. Uh Desert Island Challenge with Mark Evans of Sandbar Comedy. So I did a little interview with Mark. Uh, he he found my turning around episode and then we started chit chatting and uh brought him on the podcast so we talked about his comedy and everything and Fantastic. did his Desert Island Challenge so Anybody who ever wants to take the Jimmy Buffett Desert Island Challenge, uh, song lines and tan lines at gmail.com. If you can pick five Buffett songs and two Buffett albums. <laughs> Good Lord, I could pick two Buffett uh, albums. Yeah, we, all, we all could do that so easily. I won't, I won't bring you on the podcast, but I would love to hear your answers via email, and I'll read them out on the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Right, and guys. I want to throw out the, a movie recommendation, Smile. If you guys want to mess your stuff up today, go watch Smile. Yeah. I, I remember you talking about that last week, dude. I am going to watch that. I uh, just watched that. I uh, <laughs> just watched the crap. I watched Megan, too. I was telling you about that movie. It was actually pretty solid. It was a pretty good movie, man. Uh, do you know who Spider-One like is, Jimmy? I, I don't think so. Yeah, it's about a doll, Chris. You know who Spider-One is? I think he's Rob Zombie's brother. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is his name Spider-One? I know it's Spider-something, but. Anyways, I saw his newest movie, Bury the Bride, on Tubi as well. And it's a pretty solid little ride. So uh, really? it's got a wicked twist in it. Did so. Rob Zombie produce it? No, no, but it's got a very Rob Zombie feel to it. Okay. Okay. Um, he, he's done two movies that have been pretty good. Allegoria was the other one. Um, I like that one too. It was on Shudder. I, I, I haven't seen that one either, man. So hey. Bury the Bride on uh, Tubi. It's got a really nice little twist in the middle of it. It's one of the highlights of the movie. So. Okay. Fair enough. Anyways. Fair enough. Movie right, recommendations. Let's, <laughs> let's wrap this thing up for the day. We've been here for a while, so it's a long one. Uh, for the Audible Ecstasy Podcast, this is Jimmy. This is Chris. This is Anthony. And this is it. Yeah.